I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Artemis Scantilides. Um, she is, uh, she's got quite, quite a background. A uh, large part of your background is in the fitness industry, and now you're going into business coaching. But Artemis, I'd love it if you could kind of tell everyone your story sort of from your own perspective. And, and first of all, thank you for being on the podcast. For sure. Thank you, Jason. I'm super excited to be on the podcast. Yes. Uh, so my husband and I, we own a company called Empower You Online Coaching. And we are we uh, provide business coaching and mentorship services now to all entrepreneurs. We help all entrepreneurs start, grow, and scale their online businesses and, and also work on not just business strategy, but um, the, the mindset necessary to support being a high performer and having these high performance goals of building your own business. And, um, and also a large focus, you know, we will get into it today, but like a large focus is um, money mindset coaching. And uh, prior to that, we, we did start out when we, when we pivoted to business coaching, we did start out working with strictly um, fitness professionals and healthcare professionals, but we found that we have, were attracting all entrepreneurs. So we decided to expand who we who we work with because the framework that we teach really applies to all businesses. And um, from there, prior to that, I, for, I would say it was like full-time for since 2008. So that was like, that was 12 years, 2008 to 2020. I worked as a fitness professional. So I started out and prior, prior to 2008, I worked part-time as a fitness professional. I was teaching group fitness classes in addition to my office job. And that was from 2003. So really collectively, I worked in the fitness industry from 2003 until we, we switched over to business coaching in January, 2020. And I have done anything and everything in the fitness industry. I started out working in the commercial gym first as a group fitness instructor. And then when I, when I decided to leave my office job, which was an IT consulting job, I used to work for uh, some big companies like IBM and uh, Booz Allen Hamilton, and then like a smaller consulting firm called Acumen Solutions. When I decided to leave, I, uh, I, I still was doing uh, group fitness coaching, but then I also got into personal training and I was working for two commercial gyms. And then with that, I, I was doing that in the Washington DC area because that's where I went to undergrad. And I'm originally from Boston, which that's something that you and I bonded on immediately, which is awesome. We're both from Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it doesn't matter where you are in Massachusetts, like you're from Boston. You just say yep. Boston. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. I saw a guy in the grocery. I mean, I'm in LA now. I saw a guy in the grocery store yesterday. He had a Patriots hat on. I had like a, a Red Sox mask on. And we're both like, yeah, 
Yeah. Go Sox, go Pats. Like that's just, it's, it's always, it doesn't matter. You're, you're from Boston if you're from Massachusetts and you're not still in Massachusetts. Exactly. Um, so I moved back to Massachusetts in 2009. That's when I went my, met my husband and we decided to open up a small personal training gym and it's like a, a, a private studio style gym and we specialized in kettlebell training. So I left the commercial gym in 2000, it was 2011. I left the commercial gym to run my own gym with my husband and we did that for five years. And then we closed that down in 2016. We moved out to Vegas because my husband is an athletic trainer. And so, you know, we had pretty much had it with owning a facility. If, if there are any, anyone who used, if there's anyone who's owned a facility as a fitness professional, it's a very, uh, it's a very unforgiving and challenging business. And uh, I have some clients right now who have a combination of having a facility and an online on-demand site. And um, I'm just like, man, when are you guys going to get to the point where you're like, screw it, we're out of here. We don't do this anymore. So anyway, we, we shut down our gym and my husband decided to get back into athletic training and he ended up getting a job with Cirque du Soleil as the head therapist for Zumanity. So that took us out to Vegas, which it fulfilled. This was actually like something that we manifested and we didn't realize it until after it all happened, which was like in the winter of 2015. And you and I chatted about this a little bit, like, you know, what brought us out West is like getting out of the winters of Boston, right? Like there's so many things I love about Massachusetts, but there's like, I do not miss the, the brutal winters. And in the winter of 2015, we got seven feet of snow in a three-week period like no exaggeration there was just like you would walk out of your house and there were just like walls of snow was like standing in between you were like you were in an igloo when you walked out of your house yeah oh yeah and like backing out of your driveway was like let's just see what happens yeah, yeah. If, the, <laughs> if the plows haven't just pushed all the snow across your driveway you, you might know. be able to get out yeah no i I'm sure that people that aren't from, you know, sort of a, a northern snowy area might not understand what this means. But as you're describing that, I, I can see it perfectly in my head. Yeah. And you just the kind of uh, the dread that that used to inspire in me when I would <laughs> have to go out and know that it's like, uh, I'm going to have to do a lot of shoveling just to to get my car to move. So yeah, yeah. No, I totally, totally understand leaving. Uh, Boston's a great city, but the winters are brutal. Yeah. That was like the, like the things that made me the most angry were like cleaning off my car in the morning. And it got to the point sometimes that like, no, it didn't matter. Well, first I knew I was from Massachusetts because when my husband bought me like seriously, like a human sized snow brush, I was actually excited about this, but there were, there were even points where I was just like, you can't even do the snow brush. I have to just be a human snow brush and get the snow off my car. But anyway, so it was that winter that we were like, okay, as soon as we're done, running this business, we are going to move somewhere where the weather is better. We don't have to shovel snow and there's a better, uh, a lower cost of living. And so, uh, you know, a year, it was like a few years later, cause it was the end, towards the end of 2016. That was when we decided to shut down the gym and um, my husband got the job at Cirque and it just, it took us out to Vegas, which better weather, we're never shoveling and there's a lower cost of living. And right. so we moved out here. And then when I moved out here, when we had the gym, I had a part-time online business and I did want to grow it to full-time. But at that time, there was a lot of, you know, I felt a lot of burnout from the gym and um, it was just kind of like, I, I want to say, I, I'm going to 
frame it like I took a gap year in 2017 Mm -hmm. I took a gap year just to like my husband was working and I was like I need time to figure out what I'm going to be doing I have my part-time online business and what I did do when I got out here was I applied for a job at Cirque du Soleil a strength coach position and I got hired first on call and then they transitioned me over to being the dedicated strength coach for their show Ka. And how they have had, they right now, like post-pandemic, they because they laid a lot of people off, and I know they filed for bankruptcy, but um, they had, um, how they had their, their strength and conditioning department structures, they had two full-time employees, and then everyone else, even if they were dedicated to a show, they were part-time hours, they were like 15, 20 hours a week. So I was fully dedicated to Ka, but I was part-time hours. So I was working 15 to 20 hours a week doing that. I started to build a garage gym business. I had my part-time online training business. And then around 2018, after I was done taking my gap year, laying out by the pool, <laughs> juggling my part-time jobs, um, I decided to, I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to grow my part-time online business full-time. So that's when I just really got after it in 2018 and started growing my my online business full-time and my goal was like, all right, my first goal was like, I want to just hit six figures with this, which I hit within for revenue. I hit that in like less than 10 months. And then um, from there, my husband left Cirque and he wanted to work on, on with, in the online business with me. So we came back together to work together. And then we did that together, the fitness and nutrition through to that, you know, to the end of 2019. And then that's when we decided to switch over to business coaching. So that's what we're doing now with our, with our business. And um, yeah, that's pretty much everything. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we we talked before and we obviously have a lot of, (laughs) actually a lot of uh, common sort of geographical and, and also just sort of life experiences. But I think, so you know, the, the fitness industry uh, and, you know, sort of what you described about, you know, sort of that, how it's a difficult industry to be in. And, and I've seen that because I, I, I don't work in the fitness industry, but I do enjoy, you know, sort of a lot of aspects, all aspects of exercise. I have a trainer, you know, that stuff is, is great. I, it's a, it's a big part of my life and who I am, but I also see it's hard to be you know, kind of, it's hard to own a gym. It's hard to be uh, someone who tries to take that, you know, sort of fitness industry to the next level above being the personal trainer or someone who works in the gym or something like that to try and take it from a job to an actual, you know, sort of business or career, you know, sort of get entrepreneurial with it. So um, maybe talk about some of that, you know, some of that struggle that you encountered and, and what sort of, you know, obviously you had your own gym, but that thought burned you guys out. What, what was it that you encountered that was, you know, kind of, you found to be problematic? Yeah. So uh, I think just to start when I was getting ready to leave my consulting job and at that I was making, you know, six figures plus bonus. And I, most people, they get into working in the fitness industry as personal trainers, as coaches, because they just want to help people. They just want to have help people live better, healthier, happier lives, which is why I did it. I just, I loved the, um, I just love how I impacted people when I taught group fitness classes, like no matter how they, I transformed them within an hour, right. They would come into the room, whether it was to start their day or it was at the end of the day, 
coming in with all their baggage from the day. And then by the time they were done, they would like their baggage was done and they were happy. Like they would leave it in the room and then go home and be happy. And um, so doing that, you know, it definitely took me some time to get to the point in my office job where I was just so out of alignment with my office job that I was miserable. And that like, I just hated sitting at a desk and doing the work that I was doing. Mm -hmm. And um, it really like would pain me inside. And so I had to get to that point in that last year before I left, before I actually was like, all right, I'm ready to leave this steady job with salary bonus benefits that I'm, you know, I'm paying for it pre-tax out of my paycheck and things like that to go and literally work for zero starting at zero dollars in the commercial gym right that's like and and that's what the commercial gym setting structure does not set up fitness professionals to be successful because like you're coming in and you're making zero dollars and you just you have to build your business in order to pay your bills and then you have to hit all these unrealistic not like you, you feel like you're out of alignment because you're really in it because you want to help people and you want to give a good service, which I know you probably see this a lot in, in what you do as a vet, yeah. but the gym wants you to hit these numbers. So you're just like in and out, in and out with people, which is not how you want to treat your clients. And right. so you find yourself to hit, you know, trying to hit the gym numbers, working seven days a week, 24 seven. I remember my schedule was like Monday through Friday. I was working from, I would start at 6 a.m., and I would usually not finish until like seven or eight o'clock at night. And then on Saturday mornings, I'd come in for another stint from like eight to two. Right. And then, and then Sunday, like, what was I doing on Sunday? I was just like completely fried, like trying to recover to go back into the next week. And so financially it was definitely like, I had to be so miserable in what I was doing in my, my office job to be ready to like have that challenge and do the work and, and, um, and come into the fitness industry to just like really grind it out and, and make a much lower, lower living. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the struggles. And then that's what, when people, and I see this all the time, I still see it now with some of our clients when they are working, when you're working for a commercial gym, you think that the thing that's going to save you from this is if you own your own gym mm-hmm. and And so that was like, oh, like that was my dream. I'll just own my own gym. I'll own my own studio. And like, I'm, I'll end up having, I'll end up making a lot of money and, and I won't, it won't be the same, but it is the same. You go in to open that facility and you have everything that's going on with the commercial gym, right? You're still like working all the time. And unless you find some good people to help support you, but then you have to pay them, but then you also have all the responsibilities of a facility. So like for being in Boston, Oh my God, there was so much like permitting from like, there was everything from like unexpected expenses. Like I remember one year we got a snow removal bill for almost $3,000 from our, it must've been 2015 from our landlord. And we were like, Oh, on top of our rent, right. Right. On top of our lease. And then, um, so like, in addition to that, there's all like the permitting stuff that like, when you're like zoning and permitting, there's like just so much crap that you have to do. And that it, it and it was really hard for us to find good people even like great interns because when it's your business your it's your baby it's your life right you're living and breathing it so it's hard to find people who are who are equally as vested right who are equally as passionate we had one person one instructor who taught for us and she was someone who started out as a client for us and she had her 
own full-time job, but she would teach part-time for us. And then she got it, but that's because we built this relationship with her as a client. And we were like, oh, she gets it. Right. Um, but you know, she was not enough to help us. So it's like, you end up working just as much as you were at the, at the commercial gym, if not more, it just completely takes over your life and becomes your life. And then some of the challenges that we had, and I, we see this all the time, especially we see this with entrepreneurs and like, definitely I see this amongst fitness coaches, especially like strength coaches who are just really stubborn. And they're like, I can do everything myself. I don't need to hire a business coach. I don't need help. And that was how we started out. We started out without getting any guidance. And so we're like signing this lease that was like way over our heads, right? Yeah. We're getting into these contractual agreements like that are way over our heads. Yes, we we didn't specifically hire a lawyer. My, my dad is a retired attorney. And at the time, you know, he helped us a little and he referred us to someone to help us. But we made the mistake of, of making bad business decisions in terms of not hiring the help we needed to set up our business structure for success and to get into these agreements that ultimately we ran into some problems with down the line. And then you're also just like the, the day-to-day of managing a facility is really, really challenging. So mm-hmm. when we finally, it was about like two and a half, three years in, we finally, we shifted our, we hired a business coach like halfway through, which was so stupid. Like we should have hired someone in the beginning, but at the time it wasn't like now there are a lot of business coaches out there for fitness facilities and and online business. And there, that wasn't really like a really big well-known thing at the time. So um, when we finally did, that was when we, we revamped our business model to move away from a lot of one-on-one training, training that time, so much time for money into more group trainings and team trainings. And we created things like an intro offer that got people in for 30 days so they could get to try all the things. So then it set them up for success and then it allowed them to try everything. And then honestly make it, they, then they became vested and wanted to move forward with a membership. Right. So we, we did that about like halfway through. And at that point we were already like on the verge of burnout. So like when things started to get really good, we were just like, you know, we had debt from our, we had business debt from just bad decisions. And then like, and then just energetically, we were just like toast. And we were just like, we, this is not, you, we started this out thinking this was going to be our dream and that this is what we wanted to do. And now we're realizing halfway through, like, this is not the dream. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the dream at all. Yeah. So that's what like led to like shutting it, the, the gym down. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it is. And we, you know, we've talked a bit about it too, but just the, it's fascinating to me, sort of the parallels between the fitness industry and in sort of my side, the veterinary industry in the sense that like nobody becomes a fitness trainer because they want to get rich, mm-hmm. right? Cause they're going to be this huge business person, right? That's not, and nobody becomes a veterinarian because they're going to be this rich business person. That's net. I, I could tell you like, literally there is no person that goes to vet school and thinks, this is going to get me to the top of like the top 1%. That's never a thing. It's passion. It's passion for fitness. It's passion for helping animals. Like it's like, it's the same thing. And so you go into it with this passion and you love what you do and you, you want to help people or you want to help animals, whatever, you know, whatever it is. And I'm sure there are other industries that have this similar uh, approach, but you don't, necessarily know how to run a business when you do it right you don't know and you you see 
you're, you work for someone else who basically did the same thing and started their, you know, sort of passion business and you don't like working for them because, because guess what? It's not a very good business model. And then you're like, you know what? I'm going to do it better. Even though I don't know what to do, I can, I don't like this and they move on. And so it's like, we don't, it's the same thing, you know, veterinarians don't open veterinary practices with a business coach. Right. Right. And, and fitness professionals don't open a gym with a business coach. When they start, you, you get in this sort of panic mode, this burnout mode. And you're like, I really need to get some help, but it's like, it's like, you wait till your ship is already sinking to get a bucket, to get the water out. You know what I mean? It's, it's just like, not, you, you need to start looking at this stuff. And I am saying this from veterinary side too, but like, we need to start looking at the stuff in advance because yeah. if you're, especially if you're in an industry that is just truly based on essentially it's elective, mm-hmm. right? Like people don't, necessarily have to go to the gym they don't have to get a trainer they don't have to take their dog to the vet it's not it's not the same always and now don't get me wrong there's plenty of people that love going to the gym and love fitness and there's plenty of people that love their pets but the reality is is when it comes down to it like both of those things are coming out of their pocket when it comes to payment and so it's a very I think that the clientele perspective is very different uh, in terms of like what is the perceived value of this service? And so yeah. if we as the professionals in those industries don't value our own services, then how are the clients going to? And I think that's, you know, we, we touched on sort of some of these limiting beliefs and how your, um, with your now, your business coaching, you know, how, how that becomes a lot of it, right? In terms of what you're talking to people about. So, I mean, yeah. maybe that's a good way to, mm-hmm a good topic to kind of go into next um, in terms of, you know, that whole limiting belief system and, you know, what your thoughts are and, and, and how to combat it, I guess. Yeah. And that's like with what you're, and that was like the mission of starting our, the starting the online business and, or I should say shifting to business coaching was we had such great success running an online business as fitness professionals. We actually had that, we started to have that, like schedule that we wanted in terms of like the freedom of the time and different offers that allowed us to not trade so much of our time for money. And, um, and so it was like from there were, we wanted to be able to, to share that with people. Like you can actually continue to be a fitness professional and have this like dream freedom of time and make money schedule that you're you're looking for. And to speak to what you were talking about with the limiting beliefs, one of the things that one of the most common limiting beliefs that we see come up with people is related to self-worth and charging their worth and really charging the prices they should be charging for the services Mm -hmm. that they are delivering when it comes to training. And yes, it is, it is elective, but also, which like it does make it, you know, it, it, it does make it hard to, I think that that can contribute to some of these limiting beliefs. Um, but like we were talking about previously, most of your limiting beliefs are, are established by the time you're seven. So it's like anything else. So once they're established, then from there, you start to create this life around it. Right. Right. Unless you, unless you work on them. And so then what happens is if 
a fitness professional encounters a client who objects to their pricing, tells them they're too much or whatever it is, then that just validates whatever limiting belief that they have about their worth or what they should be charging. Mm -hmm. And yes, it is elected, but at the same time, it's also if you're someone who is like, who believes in personal training and it is important to you to invest in that, just like, you know, it is important for you to get your Starbucks coffee, right? It is something that ultimately it's preventative. Like it helps you to stay healthy and move and strong and prevents osteoporosis and, and, uh, you know, diabetes and being overweight and all those things. Right. Um, So, and definitely like, that's one of the things that we work on with our clients is to help them to own their worth and really dive deep into where are these beliefs coming from that you think that you should not be like, you want to charge this amount, but you don't think that you should. And you don't think anyone is going to buy from you if you charge this amount, whatever that is. Right. 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 Yeah. It, it's, it's like a vicious cycle. You have, yeah. you know, I, well, <laughs> If I charge more, I'm not going to have the clients because they're not going to want to pay that much. So I charge less. Now you have to work harder to make the same amount of money. You're burnt out. You're probably not performing at the best that you could if you were sort of, uh, you know, essentially getting appropriately compensated for what you're doing. Instead, you're trying to make it, you know, sort of on a volume basis, right? So it's kind of like you get in that cycle where you're like, well, if I want to make a little bit more money, that means I got to see more clients or I got to, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. And it's, 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 I mean, honestly, that frankly, that's where, uh, where real estate has come in for me. It's like, I can only do, I can do a lot of surgeries in a day. I can, I can do a lot of surgeries in a day, but I'm limited by location. I'm limited, limited by staffing and I'm limited by time. Right. And that's probably true in, in a lot of industries. I think it's probably true in the, like, if you're a, f- a fitness trainer and you train someone every hour, well, guess what? You have to train them for an hour. And it's like, so you're limited by the amount of time in a day if you want to expand y- your own earning potential. And so what, what are the alternatives? Charge more, you know, reduce expenses, what, whatever, you know, the normal things that like in business school that business people know all about when they try to, you know, start, uh, you know, sort of your <laughs> traditional business types. Whereas when you're talking about these passion businesses, like, like, you know, fitness, fitness industry, veterinary, and I guess you, you throw things in like, like uh, uh, chefs and things like things that are very valuable, but also not every person values them, right? So then you have to decide that you're selecting for the clientele that really do value that and and realizing that. And I think that's where some in the fitness industry, I think that's where some of the conditioning comes from in terms of, and maybe it's the same in, in the vet industry. It's that, um, that sense this it's, there's two things like one, there's this limiting belief that comes up, like being a personal trainer is not a real job, right? Like that is, and honestly, I'll, you know, my, my, my husband's parents, they're, they're from, um, upstate New York and they, they're just very, um, conservative and traditional. And so like, they've never, they never understood what I did. They still don't understand what we do. 
now. The only time they understood what I was doing was when I was actually working for CERC, like 15 to 20 hours a week. That's when they were like, oh, I I get this. Is there something they can see online about that or so, you know, they can watch it on TV or go to it, right? Yeah. And it was also because I was like working for someone else, but she, other than that, they didn't understand, like, they never saw like being like a personal trainer and even an online personal trainer as like mm-hmm. being a real job. They just couldn't conceptualize it. And I think, and that comes up a lot. Like I have, um, I, for example, I had one client and, and her brother works in information. He's in, he works in it and, and he doesn't think that what she does as a fitness trainer is a real job. That's his judgment yeah. of her. And so I think there's conditioning that comes that that develops these limiting beliefs around what you should be charging because if you're like well if people don't really think it's a real job then I really shouldn't be charging a lot for it and then it also goes to since it's like it's a choice it's an elective it's not you know it's not like the state is mandating that you have health insurance so you have to pay for the health it's not like that right so then you're like okay well these people they they want to do it but then they start to question your pricing or object your pricing because they want it to, they want it to be a certain amount so they can fit it into their budget. So then you start to appease you as the fitness professional start to appease the clients, right? Even though it's not really what you want, but you, that's what you do because you're just like, I'm just going to feed into my living, the, my limiting beliefs. I'm just going to feed into like, I just want to get this client and I don't think I can get, if I want to charge as much, I don't think I'm going to get a client outside of it. So it's like those two those two elements really condition the yeah. whole, the vicious pricing circle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and sure. I, I can uh, 100% relate to the, you know, people don't think it's a real job. I, I can't yeah. tell you how many times we get asked, why didn't you become a real doctor? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's very common, like, in, in our families, like our families and friends will ask us as veterinarians, why didn't you become a real doctor? And it's like, <laughs> that that's a that's a crushing blow right when it's coming to someone coming from someone yeah is supposed to care about you right like like I I put in I went to school for a long time I did a lot of extra training as a veterinary surgeon like I I have a very specific uh skill set that that took a long time to get there and I was well I was well beyond uh, vet school and, and well into my surgical training. And my grandmother was like, when are you going to be a doctor? And I get it. Like, but she doesn't, people don't understand. People don't know, like, you know, she's kind of like, when, so when do you become a doctor? And it's, and I have people, friends and family will call me and they're like, Hey, my dog is blah, blah, blah. And ask for advice. Okay, great. I'll give you advice. And then they, then they're like, well, that, that costs too much. And I'm like, Okay. But then why did you, you know what I mean? It's just, so when it's your own close circle that doesn't believe in what you do, it's hard to escape those limiting beliefs. It's, it's really hard to do it when it's, and when clients are telling you, you know, well, you must not love animals if you don't do this for less money and things like that. And so it's, it's a very challenging thing. And so I, I totally get what you're coming from. It's like, I, I'd imagine in, in it's, you have, it's, it's a very divided uh, sort of view of it, right? Like you have people like, like myself, like I'm happy to pay for training. I love what it does for me. Like I, I love that. And I know that I won't do as well on my own. 
right? Like I know that it's, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have the same fitness goals, especially like as we get older, it's not, it's not easy to do it without, you know, someone telling you what's the right thing to do. So I love it. Like I love my trainer. Like I, I would go more if, you know, like I'm limited somewhat by time, but, and it's, it's so it's the same thing for us as veterinarians, right? We have some people that are like, it doesn't matter. They would do absolutely anything for their pets. It doesn't, right. it doesn't matter what the price is. And then there's people that will, you know, won't pay for euthanasia and they would rather shoot their dog. Right. There's just like, yeah. that's the stuff that we hear. And so it's, it's, it's crazy. And it, and it, and it feeds into those limiting beliefs to just, but I think that the problem is, and I think what you're, you know, kind of describing with your, with your business now is in business coaching is it, it really has to come from the industry, right? Like you have to, you have to talk to the other fitness professionals and say, listen, like we are providing a valuable service. Like we are legitimately helping people live happier, healthier, longer lives, right? Like that's pretty valuable. And we, you know, as veterinarians are doing that for pets. And so it's, you have to look at it from the inside first before you're ever going to sort of change the, the, you know, sort of client's perspective of what you're doing. Right. So it, and, and that takes, it's hard to do. It takes some belief in what you're doing and it takes some ability to know that, you know what, initially you're going to have some people that might not be your client because they object to your prices or something like that. But I, I guess I would just argue that if you just, work to be the best at whatever it is you do, you'll, you'll, it'll build, the business will build. You just have to kind of believe in it, I think. Yeah. And there's like, there's two elements that we really focus on when we're coaching clients through this. And like, one is like internally within themselves, like identify, let's, let's get down to like what the belief is, where it's coming from, and let's work on changing it. Like, let's work on like what we call like clearing space, which is identifying that belief and like getting rid, rid of it, like realizing that it's not ultimately true and then getting down to reconnecting with what you're, what you really, really want, because we become very disconnected from our desires. We learn that to want things and to have desires is wrong, is selfish, can't have everything. So we help people to reconnect with that so they can rewrite that new belief and rewrite that new truth yeah. and implementing tools related to neuroplasticity in terms of like affirmations and shifting tools to reaffirm that new belief, which like that's like meditation helps um, other shifting tools like through like movement and visualization, like going for walks and like getting out in nature and like visualizing there's, there's yeah. a whole list of them, but um and you ultimately have to find the one that works for you. So we help first, it's like working on that belief. And also with that, it comes from like, you can't really control what other people are, how the other people are going to judge you, but you can control how you receive that judgment and what you do with that judgment. Right. So you can either take that judgment, take it as fact and just be like, make that the reason for whatever it is that you don't do. Or you can realize like, listen, like, you know, you've reconnected with what you really want, what your new belief is. And if someone is going to judge you and say, like, this is like, this is not a real job, well, you have to just forgive them. Like, that's, that's them. Like, that's, 
their judgment of you. Do you ultimately believe that what you do is not a real job? No, like I know what I do, like really helps people and is a real job. So it's about also releasing that judgment, letting go of those people, let them have their beliefs and just like really let that go and be okay with it. And then the other, the second factor, and then the more you let go of the, the judgment and you, the more you believe in yourself and you like tap into like what your true beliefs are and the more you let go of other people's judgment and like judgment of yourself, because you start to internalize like what other people mm-hmm. are judging you, yeah. then the less you're going to see that judgment come back to you. Right? right. And then the other aspect is related to, um, like the, that there are people out there just tapping into, don't worry about the people who aren't going to buy that at that, buy the price. Right. Yeah. Yep. Really focus on the people. Cause there are, if there's one person who's going to pay that there's like, hundreds, thousands of others. And, yeah. and, and in both industries, it's like that. So it's like, don't worry about trying to change those people. Just really focus on those people who will pay. They value it. They want more of mm-hmm. it. Like you said yourself, like the only thing that's limiting you is time. Like you, you have a family. It's just, it's time. It's not the money. Like you would pay more and do more because you see the value and you realize the value. And like the more you just focus on the people which is essentially like your avatar, your ideal client. Mm-hmm. The more you focus on that, then the more you're going to bring more of those people into your life, paying and paying and paying, right? Right. right. You, it's, like they... your, it's like, what is it? Like when it comes to manifestation, it's like your, you, you attract what you, you think about the most, or you're like, your, your energy goes where your intention flows or your, your, mm-hmm. your intention goes where your energy flows. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the fact of, you know, I guess life is that, people often, uh, they, they, they run in circles of people that are like them, right? So if you, yeah. if you start to get one person that comes to your business as a client, whatever the business is, and they're your ideal avatar, well, guess what? They're going to tell their friends yeah. that are also your ideal avatar. And it, it's going to build that way. You, you have to put, I, I like what you said about you know, if people don't believe in what you're doing, they don't believe it's a real job, you have to forgive them. Cause, cause ultimately like, it's not your fault. It's not, it's their fault that they don't think that it's their own, it's their problem. It's not your problem. You can't, you know, let that sort of impact how you look at yourself or how you run your business or how you do your job, whatever it is. Um, I, 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 uh, I train residents and so residents and interns. So I train young, uh, veterinarians, veterinary surgeons, uh, how to, how to do what I do. And they, a, a lot of them get very caught up in like, if a client gets upset or they get very caught up in the clients, not doing the recommendations that I'm telling them to do. And it, it's like, I think that they, I think that probably the reason they get so upset is because they think maybe they're not doing a good enough job, right? They, 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 they're thinking, taking it on themselves. Like I'm not doing a good enough job telling them what the right thing to do is. And I have to tell them all the time, you can't care about their pet more than they do. So it's not on you. It's on them. That's it. Like you, you, you can do everything right. And they might not listen. And that's fine. Like you have to figure, I like, I really do like what you said, you have to forgive them and you have to forgive, forgive yourself because guess what? There's other animals to treat or there's other people that want to train like that. You just have to be able to not, I guess, internalize every one of those, you know, negative interactions into your own limiting beliefs. Yeah. 
And it is, it does have to become like almost a daily practice or a practice of like every time it happens, you have it, the way you move through it and you overcome it and you don't let it take you over and start to like control your life and create your life is by making a practice of it. Every time it comes up, you go through this forgiveness exercise of like forgiving it, letting it go, moving on. And just like knowing that you did the best that you could. Right. Yeah. Your focus has to be on, I'm going to do the best possible job that I can do, whatever it is, right. Whatever your industry is, I'm going to be the best at this that I can possibly be right. I will. That's where I, that's where I channel my energy, right? Like I'm going to be the best surgeon that I can be. And if people don't, if people don't care about having the best surgeon, okay, that's it. That's okay. I don't, you know, that's fine. And it's like, and I, like, I intend to, I intend to take that same thing into real estate with me, right? I'm, I'm going to do the very best that I possibly can for my investors. And if that, and if they don't want to invest with me, okay, that's fine. I'll make someone else money, right? right? That's it. That's like, that's how I, I have to approach it. And it, it's, I mean, and I say it now, like it's easy to do. It's not easy to do. I know that. Like I've had all the limiting beliefs. I still have limiting beliefs. Like, but, but as you said, it's a thing you have to work on. Yeah. Essentially constantly. All the time. Yeah, for sure. It's just, and, and that's where like having a coach like yourself would, would, it helps people do that. It helps. It's like, that's what I, that's what I see my job as with the residents. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, I need to teach you how to physically do surgery, but the reality is what I need to teach you is how to be a doctor and handle all of the other crap that goes along with it. That's going to bring you down because it's like, there's, I, I think we talked about this too. Like there's a tremendously high suicide rate in yeah. veterinary medicine because of the stuff we're talking about right now. It's not because people are like, Oh, I really hate treating animals now. Like n- that, that's not how it goes. It's like, I hate yeah the abuse and, and the invalidation of what I'm doing. Right. That's, that's really, and having to work, you know, a million hours a week to, to get ahead in life. So I think that it's uh, incredibly important to have these discussions in, you know, whatever industry it is. I think it's great to have, you know, coaches out there, mentors, how, however, you know, I, I guess any, any word uh, that, people that will help people in those, you know, get through those difficult times. And, you know, like we talked about before, doing it, doing it ahead of time, right? Like not waiting till you're drowning and you're going to shut down your business before you reach out to a coach to help you with that. Because at that point, it's probably too late. It's like, it's like marriage counselors. It's probably too late by the time you get a marriage counselor, right? Like now you're just paying someone to, to tell you, that you're going to get divorced. I, I mean, I, you know, that's probably not true sure. for everybody, but I feel like it's, that is often the case is like people go to a marriage counselor at the last, the last ditch effort, instead of going to a marriage counselor, when you start to notice there's a, a little bit of a problem, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I think these are really, these are really valid, valid points for kind of both of our industries. Uh, and then think important stuff to, to talk about really. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that we, we are having these discussions. Um, and that, well, and one thing, what you were just saying is like, if I can give the analogy of our gym, it's like, by the time we got the business coach, it was too late. We were done with the gym. Right. Yeah. We, were like, we wanted to move on to the next thing, even though like 
the business coach helped us and we, we restructured things and we started like to do how like well better than we were doing. And yeah, it was, it was too late at that point and we just wanted to shut it down. And all of these things that it's important to make it a daily practice because you mentioned the, the suicide rate is it's that because this is the stuff that's holding veterinarians back. This is the stuff that's that they're not working on that's driving them to, you know, driving the suicide rate. And this is and and in the entrepreneur space, this is these limiting beliefs and these things are what hold that what we see holds people back from moving forward in their business. So having a coach and a community to help you to understand, like help you to voice what's going on so that you can have people tell you like, this is normal. This is okay. So it just normalizes it. And then it helps you to process it, work through it and just implement a daily system and a daily process that so that you're always working on it's all about just you know becoming that better healthier happier human being right and implementing those those processes that help you to do that every single day or those practices i should say they're more practices and uh and then once you start to do that then it helps to then that will help you to move for us we see with our clients helps them to move forward in their business Mm -hmm. for veterinarians this is something that will help them to it kind of brings them back to their why. Like if they're, if they're doing this work, then they get, cause they start to lose their why if this, if they're getting this conditioning, but then if they yeah. do this work on their limiting beliefs and they have a community and they have a coach, they have a mentor that's helping to hold them accountable and process, then, then it kind of brings it, it will bring them back to their why as to why they're doing what they're doing. And then along the lines of just, you know, why should you make sure that you, charge your charge higher rates and charge your worth and aside from like having making it like more money enough more you should you shouldn't have to just make just enough money to pay your mortgage and buy your groceries and all that you should be able to make more than enough right so beyond that it's also about feeling alignment with like you looking at energy and i think we talked about this i don't know if we talked about this but looking at energy as a resource like really energy is a resource and what the, the person on the other end is doing is they are, they, in exchange for your time and energy and effort and work, what they're, it's a value for value exchange. You're giving your time, your energy, your work, and all they can give you back is money. So it's a value value exchange, right? right. And you need to make sure if we're looking at money as a resource then you need to make sure that you are getting enough resources to fill you up so that you feel good about what you're going to do. And if you're not charging enough, you're not going to get enough resources to, to be the super vet or to be the super coach that you need to be for that other person on the other end. And then you're not, you're going to resent yourself for not charging enough and settling and just like sitting into low self-worth. And then you're going to resent the other person on the other end for not valuing you. So it's important to do that inner work. So you feel good about charging these higher rates and then really start to see money as an energy exchange for the services you're, you're, you're providing, mm-hmm. right. And having yeah. that good flow. And then that like lifts you up more. And then you feel like more in alignment with what you're charging. You feel more in alignment with your business. you and then you're reconnected with your why as yeah. to why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's you, the value 
you, you ha- it has to start with yourself. Like it has to start with, you have to value yourself first, right? Because it's in, until, until you realize that whatever it is you're providing is value. And, and like, be honest with yourself. If you're not providing value, then provide value, right? Like <laughs> if you're not doing your very best, then maybe you should charge less. But if you are, then realize that and and it should you know it should be that you know sort of an according exchange whether you know with energy for money whatever you know whatever it is and it's think i think it's just you know sort of building that support system and your own foundation within yourself of these you know self-beliefs and worth and and value and then sort of putting that out into the world and 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 that's how you're going to do it you know do the very best that you can. And, and it has to be, yeah. Ha- I mean, it has to be industry wide. It's like, it's, yeah. it's gotta yeah. be something that, you know, starts to spread through uh, the, whatever industry, whether it's fitness, whether it's veterinary, whether it's, you know, the restaurant industry, you know, kind of whatever I know, you know, you hear a lot about that in, in some of these other industries, it's like restaurants are opening back up after COVID, mm-hmm. but people aren't going back to work there. And it's like, well, guess what? Cause they don't want to get paid nothing to be abused by like the people coming back to the so it's like if people want to have nice things that are you know kind of luxury items and and you can put you know having a pet in there Mm -hmm. it, it costs something right there's like it and it should and so it's just kind of anyway it's it's a lot about it's it's not all about the money the money is the tool to, to provide betterment to, you know, right. yourself and your clients. So I, I think yeah. that's important. And I think, you know, you mentioned, you know, getting back to your why. And so that's, that's probably a good segue into the uh, <laughs> questions that I try to ask each guest. Um, and the, the first one is, you know, in, in uh, alignment with the name of the podcast being know your why uh, Artemis, what, what is your why? What is and it? And I realize that it changes for people and we, modify it over time but what's your why what drives you right now I want to help well all entrepreneurs at this point achieve and you know I guess particularly service-based entrepreneurs achieve personal and financial freedom because I've just seen such a struggle with that with you know I've had that with myself and I've just seen it so much in in the industry that I've worked in and so that's my why is just really you know you keep referring to it has to be industry-wide so but we can only do what we can do our part right right? Right. so my husband and I in our business we just we feel like we are doing our part to help that and Mm -hmm. by creating like we have a master we have two group programs we have a mastermind and a uh, an academy and then we also have one-on-one and and by having by having those like containers right we're we're within the industry we are building this community bigger and bigger so that people can come together and start to make that industry change right yeah. Yeah. so uh it's definitely that right now yeah yeah and and i would say i i yeah i, I keep sort of harping on the industry because I, I do believe that but i i think your your point about we can only I alone cannot change the veterinary industry. You alone cannot change like the fit, but as you bring that community together and you create these groups and, and you, and people that are realizing they're feeling the same way 
and 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 just being held back by their limiting yeah. beliefs now they're finding out hey wait a minute like artemis is is building a whole community based on this like like other people are experiencing this as well so i think that's important the other thing i would say and just like you know <laughs> in a way to, because this is what I found for me in, in a way to, you know, sort of relate it to real estate too, is that if, if you don't want to put in the energy to change your industry, or you don't believe that it can be changed, then what you need to do is come up with something for yourself, right? So if you can't be valued in the way you feel you should be in your sort of passion portion of your life, well, guess what? Get invested so that you can create some passive income so that now, now you are filling your energy bucket a different way, right? Like you have, you don't have to work so hard because you have some, you have some money working for you over here on the side. Like there's building a business is a good way to make money, but, but, you know, investing is also, so it, it's kind of a, uh, that's one of, for me, one of the things that I thought it was like, well, if I could, ne if I could never get to the point where it's like, I don't just have to trade time for money as, as a veterinarian. Well, then here's, I'm going to have to create something else that I can, that I can uh, stop trading tr time for money. So. Yeah. And if I think of an, like an analogy related to um, like, you know, we're doing our part, right? Like, even though this, in, this part might seem small, it is making an impact. And if I think about an analogy, I think about the fitness industry in terms of what I represented, what I stood for when I was doing strength and fitness coaching was, um, empowerment through strength training and, and also how that built, build built a strong mindset and helping women shift away from focusing on what their bodies looked like, what the number on scale was yeah. and focusing on what they could do. And I can't control that the fitness industry is driven by fat loss and just, yeah. you know, these Instagram, you know, social media images and things. I, I can't, I can't drive that it's driven by like the Tracy Andersons of the world. Right. But I, what I can do is lead by example and represent what I represent and create my own tribe and community and my own movement right. based upon whatever impact I bring. Right? right. And it's, it might not be like the entire industry wide impact impact, but it is doing, it is spreading the message as, as far yeah. as I can spread it. So it's like, that's yeah. what, you know, similarly what we, we are doing here. Yeah. 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 No, that, that's great. I think you, you, yeah, we could, we could do a, an entire different episode on, uh, yeah. on diet culture and things like that, yeah. but it's, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a matter of um, just impacting where you can, right. Yeah. You, you pick your, you pick your battle and you go fight it. And that's, and that's it. You're, you're not going to change every single person, but but that's fine. You don't have to. It's you know, sort of back to the whole avatar discussion. It's like you, you're you're going to to impact and help the people that have similar mindset to you. And it's like it's very unlikely that you're the only one who thinks what you think, right? It's <laughs> right. It's very unlikely that you're just on an island thinking this one thing. Like there are probably a large number of people out there, and, and people just aren't really talking to each other about it. Mm -hmm. um, so ne next question, Artemis, tell us something, and, and you can't use that you're from Boston because I already know this, but tell us something that uh, maybe people don't know about you, some, some um, hobby or uh, guilty pleasure or some, some special skill, something that, that might be unique to, to this, this podcast. Okay. Um, well, there's like two things I could think of. Well, so I- She was okay. <laughs> I can give you two. All right. Well, I have a black belt in Kung Fu. 
And, um, and then also before I started studying Kung Fu, I started studying ballet at a very young age. I was three and a half. So I studied ballet from like three and a half till I was 27 and living in Boston. I used to go to the Boston ballet and I was in the Nutcracker four years in a row when I was, I was probably like, it was like 10, it was probably like nine to 12, nine, maybe like eight to eight to 12 or something were the ages. So, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. That's funny because it's very possible. I saw you in that. I, oh, really? My mom loves, my mom loves that one. And so we, we went, went a lot when I was younger. So it's very possible. I watched you in the Nutcracker in Boston. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Um, and we'll put a lot of the stuff in the show notes, but what's the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to kind of continue this conversation? Uh, on Instagram, just send me a direct message on Instagram. I love to connect with people on Instagram and um, I read all my messages, messages mm-hmm. and message requests. So mm-hmm. my handle is my full name, really long, Artemis underscore Scantilides, but I know you'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, we'll have it all in there so people people can find you. And final question for you. Um, what What, I think we've done some of this, but what piece of advice might you give to someone who uh, comes from a similar background, has had some of those same struggles, uh, and now you're you're successful and kind of leading the way. What what might you say to to perhaps a you know an earlier version of yourself? Uh, get a coach or a mentor like immediately. Like seek out the person who is where who per, perhaps has gone through what you've gone through in the past and has overcome it and is where you want to be in the future. And just like, as soon as you can find a coach or a mentor, find someone, hire them, have them in your corner. And that way you start to create your support, your support community. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Find, find someone who's successfully doing what you want to do yeah. and figure out a way to, <laughs> to connect yeah. with them and, and uh, you know, kind of copy, copy their model. So um, well, that's great. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. This was awesome. I think uh honestly we could take any of those you know branches of that conversation and and expand on it maybe we'll maybe we'll do it again sometime but um, thank you so much for coming on I, I really appreciate your time Artemis thanks for having me this is great